0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We are in Acts chapter 6, which means we are um, between a fourth and a fifth uh, of our way through the book of Acts. It'll take us really through through all of February. But again, just to remind you that that the Bible isn't as long as we oftentimes make it out to be, particularly the New Testament. Acts is one of the, if not the, longest book of the New Testament, and it's only 28 chapters. And this chapter is only 15 verses, very short. For me, it fits on one page. Usually these chapters fit one, uh, or usually two, or even three pages. This, just one page, very short. So let's hop into it. This is an important chapter because it's here where we get the first deacons. Uh, Verse 1, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, remember what just happened. They were beaten and bruised. And don't forget, people are dying in the sanctuary. And yet they're increasing in number. It's amazing. A complaint. Ah, now we know it's a church, right? Now we know. they got their business meeting and they're complaining. Or, you know, it never starts out that that formal. Someone uh, complains to someone. Which verifies their their complaint, which then allows them to create uh, an organization of complainers in the church. They don't tell anyone in the leadership. They just try to spread it around to everyone else, so that then it can't be traced back to them. So that when it does get the leadership, they can't trace back who is really the one doing this. Or if they do go to the leadership, they say something like, "People are saying," which they really mean is, "I am saying," right? But, anyways, that's me out of my own. Um, Issues. But nevertheless, uh, they're increasing in number, but a complaint by the Hellenists arose uh, against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the day of distribution. So notice immediately what we have in the church is the common pattern among humans to identify ourselves by our tribes. So remember, Pentecost was you weren't from here or there. You, you, you are part of the kingdom of God. It is unity by diversity. The problem is, is if we let it and we take our eyes off Jesus, that diversity becomes tribalism. And so now what we have within the church are Gentile believers, Hellenists, Greeks, and Hebrews. These are Jewish believers. And so what you have is, is, sure, we all love the same Jesus. We all worship the same God. We all love to sing the same songs. But I got my eye on them because, you know, all the apostles are Jews. And no wonder they like them. We're always going to be outsiders, right? You see how easy it is? We do this all the time. All the time. And every church suffers from this. Every organization suffers from this. Everything suffers from this. We, we always revert back to our tribes. Gender, nationality, politics, whatever it is. We always revert to our man-made tribes. Well, what we see here is the issue regards the daily distribution of of needs. Remember, we saw in chapter four and five, people are bringing their resources together, selling houses and property and everything else. And the Hellenists feel like their widows, which that's not language we should use. It's the church's widows are being neglected. Now this is a practical problem and they bring it to, to leadership. And so the 12, that is the 12 disciples, remember Judas is gone, but Matthias has replaced them summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of god to serve tables now what they're not saying is serving tables is lesser than no, don't read it that way that is an american way of reading it what they're saying is we are called to this specific task and it is good and it is right that we dedicate ourselves to it and in so doing we are obeying god's call for our lives there are those we believe that God is called to these sort of task that is good and honorable and right. And, and we want to recognize them. See, we get into the problem, particularly when, when we talk about gender and in church leadership, what we'll say is also oh, what you're saying is, is that they're good enough for this, but not good enough for that. And we assume this is better than that. That is not the way of the gospel. Whether we are jars of clay, or something else or, or whether we are vessels of honor or something else what god wants from us is obedience and faithfulness and holiness and all that other stuff doesn't matter whether you're a foreground leader in the church or a background leader in the church whether you're an introvert or extrovert it doesn't matter what matters is obedience and service and humility and so Um, Verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So notice it's seven. This is clearly connected to creation and the perfect number and all that sort of stuff. And this is why a lot of churches today, at least I speak from my experience in the Baptist tradition, um, prefer the number seven. Asserted the church that the Constitution said, you got to have seven deacons. And, and I asked everyone around, do you all ever remember us having seven deacons? And they say, well, no. But if you read the Constitution, the verse they had was here. There were seven deacons in the beginning. We should have seven deacons now. Well, seven deacons can work for a lot of churches. Good. It doesn't work for all. Small, rural congregations don't need that many. Large or uh, metropolitan churches need more than just seven, right? So So, so don't confuse description with prescription. That is that they chose seven because that was an appropriate number for them. That doesn't mean that it has to be seven across the board, right? And and I, I think that is uh, decreasing that that this is a perfect number or something like that uh, for for deacons. So uh, uh, we will appoint these seven to to serve in this way, verse four. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice that both are important: discipleship, service. You've got to raise disciples who will be willing to serve and to teach and everything else. Right? Remember that the church is still in its infancy. They're developing all of this, this system. So what the church does after the business meeting, I'm sure it was a business meeting, uh, is that they chose seven. And we get their names here in verse five. Stephen, um, and uh, described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll see his story uh, the rest of the chapter and in the next chapter. Philip, who will show up later as well. Uh, Procurus, who we know nothing else about. Nicanor, we know nothing else about. Timon and Par- Parmenaeus, we know nothing else about. Um, Nicholas, we may know a little bit about. It's a matter of debate, but it's really a matter of uncertainty. So, so we're making some presumptions here. you got to be careful with it. We talked about it back in our study of Revelation. Remember that there was in the letter to the seven churches, two of the churches were following the way of the Nicolaitans. I think one was had rejected it, another had received it. Uh, but the the teaching of the Nicolaitans came up. Well, one theory is that this deacon uh, bought into a, a into false teaching and had a following of his own. Of false teaching and they were called the Nicolaitans. We can't prove it. Some early church followers argue this. Not all of them argue that. So it's it's really hard to tell. Uh, the Nicolaitans could refer a number of things. Uh, Seem to have a, a Gnostic influence to it, at least a Greek influence to it. And of course, this is a Greek name representing Greek believers. So it's, it's, it's a matter of debate. But beyond that, we, we know nothing else about Nicholas here. Verse 6, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. These are the first deacons. This is also where the tradition of laying on of hands is found. In the Baptist tradition, this is the only time we touch each other, right? Um, and and um, it is a vital part of the ordination, whether ordination of deacons or ordination of ministers, is the laying on of hands. Uh, and, and it is a, a symbolic way of recognizing, representing the church, this person has been set aside for this specific task. Now, there's some debate as to what is a deacon, and it goes beyond our purposes here today, and, and I, I doubt we got too deep into it we looked at Timothy and Titus. But notice here that their primary role here is service, not leadership. Uh, One criticism of Baptist churches is we've merged the roles of elders and deacons together and this is why a lot of churches their deacons are different from one church to another look i've interviewed at plenty of churches and 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 and, and for for potential pastorates and i've served at a number of churches and everyone seemed to have a different understanding of what it is for a deacon it's something that i think we baptists need to start figuring out and do a better job with some deacons hold a an eldership role so that what they say goes some are more service role and so what you're left with is the the church votes on too much or the pastor has too much authority, right? So 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 we need to figure some of this out. But these first ones, and I do believe there is an evolution of this role by the time we get to the epistles. But the first deacons were there to serve. They wanted to make sure that things were running. They were administrators. They were servants. And the word deacon means servants. So there's the specific role of deacon, which is a title. And then there is the calling. That we all have that we serve and love one another well right after you, you get this um you got the deacon set aside and what happens if you're following the narratives it's, it's almost as if immediately one of them is arrested and will soon be executed um i mean it didn't last long so they go from seven deacons to six in no time whatsoever but this doesn't stop the church this is why we got to stop thinking as americans this fuels more to the church because Stephen proved faithful in the end. This is the work of the Spirit. So Stephen, full of grace and power, he was doing many wonders and signs among the people. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. Now, I can't prove this. In fact, uh, it would take more digging than it is worth. When I was at Boyce College, and in my New Testament survey class. Uh, it may have been I took a whole book on Acts. In one of those classes, we, we talked about this right here. and The professor argued, quite convincingly, honestly, that it's very possible that Stephen was debating pre-converted Paul. Now, I can't prove it definitively and, and I've not looked at that argument for years so I'm just going to leave it hanging out there. And I'm pretty sure it was Paul. But man, wouldn't you like to be a fly on that wall? I doubt we wouldn't have a clue what they were actually talking about because those guys are know their Bible far better than we do. Uh, But man, to be a fly on that wall. But nevertheless, um, verse 13, uh, they bring up false witnesses against him. There is some parallels to the cross on purpose. Stephen will become the first martyr um, of the church. So the parallels are on purpose. Uh, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. Very similar to what they accuse Jesus of. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And of course, that's alluding to Jesus saying that I will destroy this temple three days, build it up again. It's the same accusation that Jesus receives. And that parallel is, again, purposeful. Now, this will lead to his stoning, spoiler alert, that we'll see, Lord willing, Monday. But here we meet the first deacons. And look, my my approach to, to the deacons is pretty simple. Is you should not need the title of deacon to serve faithfully in the local church. Have the heart of a servant. Have the heart of Stephen. Hope you guys have a good weekend. And Lord willing, we see you guys here Monday for Chapter 7.